How many of you are for real excited to be here this morning? Amen? Stand with me all over the house as we go to God's word and reverence of his word. Coming to you this morning out of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. When you're there, say amen. amen. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeliness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing, somebody say every creeping thing, that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, we thank you for what you're about to release in this house. God, I boldly confess that I am nothing but a man in need of the anointing of God to deliver the weight of the word in which you have spoken to me. God, I ask that it would be done not with fancy words, but yet, God, with anointing, with power and demonstration. God, that the word that be preached be backed up by heaven. Father, I thank you today, God, for souls saved. God, I thank you today for deliverance, for healing, signs, wonders. God, I thank you, Lord, for open eyes, open ears, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I thank you for wounds healed, Father. I thank you for diseases canceled out, God. I thank you, God, that where this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom goes, the signs and wonders are sure to follow. God, we give you praise for it now in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated all over the house. This morning we are closing out a series that I started a couple weeks ago on the idea of upside down kingdom and understanding of the kingdom of God that we are called to. Jesus did not come preaching the message of heaven. Jesus came preaching the message of the kingdom. The church has made it about a heaven. And can I tell you something that the Bible makes clear is that heaven and earth will pass away. And we have developed a mentality in the church that, oh, we just can't wait to get to heaven. Everybody will be happy over there. Can I tell you that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will endure forever. And there's coming a day that John said, I saw a new heaven. I saw a kingdom descending from heaven and down to the earth. He did not come preaching a message about when we all get to heaven. He preached a message about his kingdom coming. And so we must understand that we are called for more than just heaven. We are called to be carriers of the kingdom. We are called to be people of his authority, people of his dominion. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about God's upside down kingdom. And it's in the kingdom of God that we found out that we got to surrender to win. It's in the upside down kingdom that we find out that the last are first. It's in the upside down kingdom that we find out we are saved to serve. It's in the upside down kingdom that we find out we give to get. It's in the upside down kingdom that we find out we gotta die to live. The kingdom of God is completely contrary to the culture of this world. The culture of this world says give me, but yet Jesus came preaching a message that said give to them. The message in the culture of this world says take, 
push, pull, stab, punch, do whatever you got to do to get to the top. But Jesus came preaching a message that said, get down, get down as low as you can so that the last can be first. He said, I got to teach you how to get down if you're ever going to get up. The world said, store and save, store and save, store and save, store and save. Jesus came preaching a message that said, but do not store up treasures that moth and rust can corrode. Hallelujah. Oh my God, hallelujah. But he said, rather, take all your riches and give it to the poor and then you'll find out what the real blessed life is about. Jesus came preaching a message that was completely contrary to the modern day culture. I came to tell you that the message of his kingdom, it has not changed. The church may have tried to settle for something that's more comfortable. The church maybe has tried to sing a song that tried to make it about something Jesus never made it about but Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God Amen. this morning I want you to understand why God has called us to bring his upside down kingdom Genesis 1 and 26 we find out that if we're ever going to find out what the purpose of something is you have to go back to its original intent and so when we begin to look at what is man as David said, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you made him a little lower than Elohim, not angel? The true translation of that word is Elohim, little lower than God. He didn't make angels over you. Oh, my God. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we've been given the ability to command angels. See, I can't command something that's over me. Mm. My God. So what we have to understand is when you begin to find out what you were made for, you got to go back to the original purpose of what God designed you for. The very first thing he gave man was something called dominion. It is a principle that this church was founded on. The idea, why? Because if we can ever go back to the beginning... We can fix the end of something. Listen to me. How do broken, addicted, bound, busted, and disgusted people get fixed? I don't fix them at their end. I got to go back and speak life to their beginning where they begin to change when they encounter him. Okay. So listen to this. Man sinned and forfeited his right to rule. You were created to rule. That's what you were designed and purposed for. You were created to have authority. You were created to, to, to be not just king's kids, but you were designed to bring the kingdom through you. We're too busy trying to get heaven. We're, try, we're too busy trying to get to heaven, but God is, is busy trying to get heaven to earth. We're, we're too busy saying, oh, I just want to go. And Jesus is saying, man, I want you to be praying prayers that say, come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. So man sinned and forfeited his right to rule. Now, what man was called to rule began to rule him. You wonder why you face adversity. You wonder why you face trial. You wonder why your life is so hard all the time. Let me tell you why. You can thank Adam and Eve for that. Because what they were called to rule, ruled them. Why? Because Eve, the Bible says, listened to the serpent. That was a mega nugget right there for some of you that'll catch that. Eve listened 
to the serpent. And when she listened to the serpent, she became subject to the serpent. See, if you were born to rule and reign, then what you said was law. But the moment that Eve listened to what the serpent said, she subjected herself to something she should have been ruling over. My God, how do you get in trouble? You begin to listen to things that you were called to command. She should have never listened to the serpent. She should have looked at the serpent like Jesus did Peter and say, get thee behind me, Satan, for you don't know what God is desiring to do. Eve listened to something she was designed to instruct. A life lesson with God is this. No one can take your place, but you can't give it up. I'm going to say it again. No one can take your place, but you can give it up. You can forfeit what God's called you to. The devil can't take it. Oh, come on, somebody. People can't take it. What God has for you, God has for you, and your name's on it. But the question is, is will you maintain? He who endures to the end shall be saved. What's that speak of? Process. You got to make it. You got to make it. In other words, you're going to have to push when you don't feel like pushing. You're going to have to hold on even when you're white knuckling it. You're going to have to trust and believe what God said for you is really coming to pass. No man can take it, but you can forfeit it. So catch this out. Man was called to rule on the earth, but God reigns in heaven. Isaiah 66 and 1, look at what it says. I'm, what I, I want you to understand is dimensional dimensional rule right here. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne. Everybody say heaven. heaven. And the earth is my footstool. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm propped up in heaven, but my feet are on the earth. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? Okay, so God rules in heaven. Do we understand that? Say amen. Okay. The problem lies, though, at the place of what we'll call in between this morning. So God rules in heaven. Man was called to rule in the earth, okay? Here's the problem. Heaven's here. Earth is here. Genesis 1 says that between heaven and earth is something called a fremnet, a space between two spaces. Where are you going with this preacher? Ephesians 2 tells us the problem with that space. I'm going to help somebody this morning. Ephesians 2 and, and 2, do y'all have that? Says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Catch this now. God is here. Man is here. There's a fremnet, a space of air in between. But guess what Ephesians 2 just told you? There is somebody that is occupying that space. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is also known in 1 Peter as the adversary that walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Y'all catching me? Watch. Let me show you this real quick. Because I, I need you to understand really the entirety of this. So God is reigning in the heavens. As Isaiah 66 declares, okay? And as God is reigning in the heavens, the earth is his footstools. And here on this line we're gonna call is earth. And here on earth is a man that was designed in Genesis 
one, to rule and reign. But the problem lies in the remnant between this space and this space. Because in between this space and this space is an adversary. And the adversary's job is to block everything that heaven is wanting to bring. If he can stop what's happening here and here. See, the remnant, he's been given authority in this realm right here. Some of you wonder why when you pray, it feels like your prayers don't leave the room. Let me tell you why. There is a remnant. There is a remnant that the job of your adversary is to block the dominion that you've been given in the realm of the earth. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I'm really, really, really going to help some people this morning if you'll just listen to me. See, God sees a problem, so he sends a solution. Catch this. God's plan was in Genesis 1, he said, i got to create man to rule, have dominion in the earth. But the problem is, is now because Satan falls coming from heaven, he occupies a space and when Adam and Eve forfeited, what they forfeited was their authority. When they sinned, they gave up their dominion. When they were created to rule with their words, now God comes in the garden and says, no longer will you be able to do this and do that, but now you'll work it by the sweat of your brow. Now your work's going to come through your hands, no longer your words. So God sees the problem. And God sends a solution. Catch this. 1 Corinthians 15. What the first Adam messed up, God was about to fix. 1 Corinthians 15 says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, watch this, I'm teaching this morning. For since by man came death, when Adam sinned, guess what happened? Man died. For the wages of sin is death. When Adam sinned, death was born. Okay. Adam brought forth sin and death. But he was purposed to bring forth dominion, rule, and reign. For since by Adam came death, by another man also came the resurrection of the dead. Hey. See, what Adam may die, God looked at and said, I got to solve this problem. If one man killed them all, I got to send another man that'll make them all live. If one man made them die, I got to send another man that'll make them live. Verse 23, when I was reading this scripture this morning, it was heavy. Verse 23. And it says, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all the rule and all the authority and power. Watch this. For he must reign till he has put all enemies, God Almighty, this thing's heavy, under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. God had a plan and a purpose for man. Man messed it up. They listened to something that they had no business listening to. They should have been ruling and reigning over it. But when they subject themselves to the serpent, the serpent had authority over them. And then he took his position in the remnant called the prince of the power of air. 
God saw the problem, and in 1 Corinthians, he said, if one man's going to bring death, then i got to send another man that will bring life. If one Adam messed it up, i got to send another Adam to make it right. What This one was formed out of dirt, but this one will be formed out of heaven. This one is made with my breath, but this one will be made with my blood. This one, listen to the voice of the serpent, but this one is going to take his heel and crush the head of the serpent. But catch this, go back, go back, go back, go back to the last verse, verse 26. Catch this. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Okay, understand. So all this has to happen for the kingdom of God to be delivered. Are you hearing me? What we just found in 1 Corinthians was the proposition of the manifestation of the kingdom of God. John the Baptist came preaching, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, it's within reach. In other words, it's coming. It's so close, I can almost see it. But it wasn't yet fulfilled. Hmm. In order for the kingdom of God to fully come, he had to trample all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Y'all catching this? Go with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Peter on the day of Pentecost is preaching under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is upon him. They've been in the upper room. They have been declared as drunk because they are so full of the Spirit of God. Peter stumbling his way onto the rooftop. And in Jerusalem at that time were some devout men because they were in town for the season and the festivity of Pentecost. Peter standing up full of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, and the other 11 apostles stood with him, stood up and began to preach a message that is declared and written on the pages of Acts chapter 2 where Peter standing up and the 11 apostles with him he declares these words men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death gets this last part whom God raised up having loosened the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it what did Peter just say that Jesus defeated death hold on hold on hold on hold on let me unpack this thing for the kingdom of God to come then, then the enemies must be subdued. Then they must, all enemies must be under his feet. And 1 Corinthians 15 just told us the last enemy to be defeated. The last enemy to be defeated is something by the name of death. When Jesus rose from the grave, the scripture was fulfilled. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. What did I just tell you? You talk about a fixed fight. If everything you're facing and everything you're fighting, we just found out in the word of God, is already defeated. Now what we know, now what we know is that when Jesus said it is finished, it really is finished. It really is done. It 
is signed, sealed, and delivered in the staples of heaven. It's dripped with his blood. It is closed, finished, gravel falling, done, over with. Pack it up. Bye-bye, baby. No more lies from any devil to make you fall into the subjection of the lies of the serpent again. So the kingdom of God comes when death is defeated. Guess what? The kingdom of God is no longer at hand. The kingdom of God is here and it is now. Now is the time of the kingdom of our God. It's not something we are waiting for. This is something we are living in. What one man, Adam, messed up, another man, Adam, came to restore. Jesus said unto the mountain, be ye removed. And it was picked up and cast. Jesus said unto the blind man, rise up. Jesus said unto the lame man, rise up. And guess what? They got up. Why? Because he came restoring the authority and dominion that he was given. But catch this, why the upside down kingdom? Why, 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 why do things have to be an upside down kingdom? Revelations 1 and 18 says, I am he who lives and was dead. <laughs> and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of Hades and death. How do I get the keys to your car? I have to take ownership. Oh, my God. If I take ownership of your car, then I have a legal right to hold your keys. Not only that, when I legally own it, I can take your keys and give them to somebody else and they can drive it because it ain't your car, it's my car. How does somebody take possession and residency in my house? If they purchase it, I'll gladly give them the keys. I'm going to teach you all something this morning. Revelation 1, Jesus comes and he says, Behold, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. How does he have the keys? I'll tell you how. Because he owns them. How do you own something? You purchase it or you defeat it? When he defeated death, he took the key of death and then looked at his church and said, Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosened in heaven. How does a man stand before a grave and say, Lazarus, get up. I'll tell you how. He's got the keys. He's got the keys. But what's the upside down kingdom got to do with this? Jesus comes restoring what real dominion looks like in the earth. He's ruling with his words and not with his works. He comes reversing the curse of sin and death. He comes preaching and signs and wonders are following him. In other words, heaven is backing up what he is preaching. No man has to ask if the message he's preaching is of God because God himself is confirming it. Where blinded eyes are open, where deaf ears are popping, where little girls are getting out of caskets. My God, hallelujah. Where leopards that once shouted unclean are now running through the market square delivered and healed and saying, Jesus, Jesus. Well, Bartimaeus is no longer known as blind Bartimaeus because he's not a man that can't see anymore. His faith has become perfect sight. It's Mary that has broken the alabaster flask 
who was forsaken by the world but now accepted by the king. I came to tell you this Jesus in whom you crucified has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He came preaching and declaring the upside down kingdom. Learn to serve, learn to give, learn to get down. And he comes preaching in signs and wonders. But here's the really cool part. He didn't just come preaching it. He came teaching it. He came training it. And he raised up a whole generation to know it. And the fruit of that generation is sitting on these seats today. That men and women that were once afar off, this gospel has now been brought in here to this land. And now on Sundays and Wednesdays, we gather under the name that is above every name, the only name given by which men can be saved, the name of King Jesus, who's not just Lord, but he's King of Kings. He's the great I am. His gospel is here today being preached because he raised up men that would take it into all the world regardless of the cost. Acts 17 Acts 17 tells us why the kingdom is upside down. But the Jews, who were not persuaded. Let me tell you something. Whenever you're called to a move of God, you're called to the things of God, there'll always be those religious people that ain't persuaded. Let me encourage you. Quit trying to persuade them. I ain't got to win Everybody, I just got to win who I was called to win. If I do my job, Jesus is sure to do his. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob. Religion will always try to hang. <laughs> Religion will always come after real authentic moves of God. And you know how they come? They come in the name of God. Let's call it out this morning. Do you know how Muslims blow up daycares full of children? They blow it up in the name of God, thinking that they're doing a work for God. I came to tell you, you better be careful and make sure that you know the word of God. Okay. Gathering a mob and set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So get this. The disciples are there. The manifestation, the kingdom of God has come. Paul is preaching in the houses, or, and Peter's preaching in the houses. The disciples are preaching, and as they are, the kingdom of God is advancing. They're coming. They're breaking bread. They're doing the Lord's Supper. They're, they're, they're giving in the sacraments of God, and God is moving. He's turning the city upside down, and then religion rises and wants to kill them. And it says in verse 6, but when they did, they did not find them. They dragged Jason and some of the brethren of the rulers of the city crying out, these are those that have turned the world upside down and they have come here too. Why is it an upside down kingdom? Let me tell you why. You ready for this? Pull me up on the screen. God said... I'm here. And though I'm here, this is where I rule. This is where I reign. You're here. The earth is his footstool. See, man was here. And there was a fremnant here that was occupied by the adversary. When Acts 17 happened, they don't know the magnitude of what they said. <laughs> they said, these are those that have turned the world upside down. Now watch. 
if I turn the world upside down, God is still here. But now everything changes because man who was here, when he gets turned upside down, now moves to here. And now what was ruling over me, my God, comes up underneath me. So why is the kingdom of God upside down? God said, if you'll ever learn how to get upside down, I'll take you from being ruled over to beginning to rule over. And now Satan will be under your feet. How do you get there? You serve, you give, you love, you pray for those that do you wrong. Oh, come on. I'm teaching you the principle of elevation this morning. How do you get from being underneath your adversary to being over your adversary? You follow the Acts 17 model that you go and you preach the gospel. You love those that hate you. You bless those that persecute you. You speak well of those that speak wrong of you. How does the kingdom of God come? It comes upside down. And when it comes, it'll turn the whole city of Darlington upside down and no longer will you be far from God but you'll be at his feet you'll be at his feet stand with me all over the house why is the kingdom of God upside down because when the kingdom goes upside down it flips everything right side up Chew on that for a minute. That's some meat for you. Why is the kingdom of God upside down? Because when the kingdom of God goes and flips everything upside down, it actually flips everything in the earth right side up. It makes wrong. It makes everything wrong. It makes it right. It makes everything that was broken to be fixed. It restores relationships. Come on. It restores deliverances. It restores healing. Ha! Ah, everything that sin brought no longer is over top of us. And all of a sudden, we begin to hear things like cancer was healed. All of a sudden, we begin to see blinded eyes that seem to have authority over somebody come under the subjection of the kingdom of God. Why? Because when the kingdom of God comes, it flips everything upside down. And when it gets flipped upside down, it flips everything right side up. Because the truth of it is, is when man fell, man flipped everything upside down. God wanted you to be at his feet. Why do you say that, preacher? Because Genesis 1 said that he came walking in the cool of the day, talking with man. What did he say? He said, you're going to hear my footsteps. But when sin came, sin separated the shuffle of his feet. And it's not that God ex just, just extracted you. It's not that he kicked you out. It's not that he didn't want anything to do with you anymore. If anything, he prepared an evacuation because he was still holy. But now man was defiled. And so God said, no longer can you be in my presence. No longer can you be here with me walking and talking in the cool of the day. And man, even though God was graceful, God took and, and sacrificed an animal, a prophetic symbolism of the lamb that would come to cover our sin, to cover our shame. And God, like a good father, walks them out of the garden and seals that garden behind them. But you know what he said? He said, I gotta fix this. I gotta fix this. 
I put a temporary band-aid on something that's going to fall off and they're going to bleed again. They're going to bleed again. And then Cain slays Abel and they bleed again. And then David falls to Bathsheba and they bleed again. And then Palestine is, or, or Philistines are arising against Israel and they're bleeding again. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers and they bleed again. And God is saying, I got to fix this. I got to make it right. They were called to walk with me. They were called to talk with me. They were called to hear my voice. But sin separated them. Sin flipped it all upside down. Sin messed it all up. Sin took my beloved children and put them at a place where my voice is distant, where my presence is no longer felt. God said, I got to fix this. And all throughout heaven he looks, and there behold, John records it in the book of Revelation, stood a lamb. And all the elders and all the angels cried, worthy is the lamb. Why? Because he was the only one worthy enough to fix it. God goes to the Father, or God the Father goes to the Son and looks at Jesus and says, I need you to go. I need you to go and fix it. And so born of a virgin, he arrives in that manger. And as he's there, he is wrapped in swaddling clothing. But more than that, he's wrapped in flesh. And John 1 records it, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What was it? It was God fixing it. It was God fixing it. What I messed up, what I made wrong, it was God fixing it. And he takes his son whom he loves and he puts it in the care of a man and a woman to raise. To watch him every time he falls and skids his knee and blood that drips from his knee would be the same blood that would run from the cross of Calvary and save me from my sins. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, was attested and anointed by God and he went and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. Why? So that man could be restored to his rightful place. To take dominion and begin to rule and reign with his words. To be able to say unto something and it be so. God wanted to flip the world upside down so that he could make it right side up. You're here today. You know what you need? You need your world turned upside down, baby. That's what you need. You need your world turned upside down. You need to come to a place where it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. You need to begin to pray prayers like Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Flip it upside down, God. Flip it upside down. Every head bowed, every eye closed all over this room right here, right now. Your whole life you've thought that the purpose of Jesus to come was just to save you. Let me tell you something. His blood was sufficient to save you. But the manifestation of his purpose and full fulfillment was not just to save you, but to redeem you. He saved you from death and hell. He saved you from the flames that would engulf you where you would be in torment for eternity, where, where, the, where the worm never dies and where there would be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. That's what he saved you from. 
But he didn't just come to save. He came to redeem. And when he redeemed you, what he did is he restored you to your rightful place. He took what was the tail and he made it the head. He took what was beneath and raised it to be above. You're here this morning and really what you need is you need your world turned upside down. You need to quit fighting against the plan and the purpose of God in your life, brother, sister. You need to stop dashing your foot against the rock, the very rock on which you were called to stand on. You need to surrender. You need to submit. You need to understand that this Jesus, he is so for you. He's going to go back all the way to your beginning. He's going to restore it and make everything right.